Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet, Miru 2. This is the second episode. We have continued our series coming from Miru 1 into Miru 2, where if you listened to the last episode, you got a recap of the original Miru. And in this one, we covered a lot of ground in episode 1. We have been splitting this up into two-week chunks for the sake of the game, and we covered a lot of hexes. It helps that we were on the run from the robot god that we thought, foolishly, we had killed at the end of Miru 1, who sprouted up from the ground with new wings and has chased us through the forests east of our previous village. When we returned at the end of Miru 1, we'd been traveling north-ish from our village, and this time it chased us, we fled east. Our village and all of the people we knew are missing, but we saw hints that we might be hot on their trail, as they have also been fleeing through this area, which apparently is rife with android life out here. We've met multiple nice androids who have helped us out, including one who tragically lost her life when the robot god chased us through the woods, as well as a farmer and one that is operating a dig site, and even one who was a little messed up but served us some delicious not ramen hot water. Shout out Tamporo. I do want to say I think I gained at least one or two hexes. I think I combined the day five cutscene when it said immediately go to the day 10 cutscene. I think that was supposed to be two days, so technically I traveled twice as much as I should have in one day, but Hinokoto forgive me. I hope it's okay. And when we ended last time, we suffered our first minor injury, which, of course, if you recall from Miru 1, if you are rolling for the day to travel through hexes and roll a 1 for your hex die, your tile die, that is a small injury. And after a third one, you end up having to like reset a bunch of stuff, which would be a bummer. But we made it 14 days before twisting our ankle or what have you. And hopefully we can make it a little ways from here before we hit our next one. We are two tiles west of an interesting location. We found a treasure map that we then decoded through a modified... A lot of the robots that we encountered in Miru 1 seem to have been altered in some way and turned into abominations, but this was an old helper F2 bot that was able to decode a treasure map that we'd gotten off of an adventurer that we met early on. And we are two tiles away, so I think the first thing we're going to do today is attempt to get one tile closer to that treasure and see what we find. As always, we grab our 5d6, and we're going to roll them to find out what the terrain of the next hex is. And we're going to go northeast down from this mountain towards that lake that we found where the ferry was crossing and that traffic jam and be one step closer. Let's see what we get. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay, this could be very interesting. So, I rolled a 2 for my terrain die, which is forest, with a 5 on our weather die, which says no adverse weather. Our encounter die came up two sixes, so that is a 12, and that says impassable. The vegetation is too thick to get through. Best to find another way around. Mark this impassable, backtrack to camp, and start the day over. Oof. Okay. Well, I guess we're going southeast. You know what? No complaints here. I love rolling 5d6 and filling out a blank hex map. It is so, so satisfying. 
And if you haven't already, check out our Instagram. And I think our Facebook posts them sometimes as well. I've been trying to post a slightly drawn up, pretty fied version of the map as I go through Miru. So you can see them on there with my little doodles and stuff. All right, a little bit different, but still on brand. We have a six for our terrain die, which is swamp. And we have a two for our weather die. So the weather down here is a little bit different. Some rain sets in as I have to backtrack up the mountain and head down in a different direction. I'm going through swamp now. My event die did not come up a 12, but it came up an eight, which brings up encounters. And our clarifying die is a four. So encounter number four in the swamps, the most dangerous game. You spend all morning hacking your way through a swampy jungle. The birds singing around you make the grueling experience a little more pleasant. You hear the sounds of someone following you and humming. You turn around and all the birds fly away, but no one's there. Before you can turn back around, you feel a sharp sting in your back. An android wearing a black hat says, Life is for the strong. To be lived by the strong. And if need be, taken by the strong. He pulls the knife out from your back. I'm cut from the same cloth as God. You're just another sheep lost in the flock. So it looks like we're going to be fighting the Black Hat here. And it says, whenever you would deal lethal damage to Black Hat, roll 1d6. If it's even, we hit and he does die. If it's odd, he somehow manages to escape. Ooh, and if we get him, we earn a badge. We'll get our first badge. So we're going into combat against the Black Hat. We've been stabbed. And you know what? Just because I like a challenge, I'm going to roll to see how much damage that stab did. He does a lot of damage. I probably should have looked at that before I committed. All right. That was a four. So that's good for 10 damage minus my six defense. It's only seven against robots. And so I'm going to take four hit points worth of damage as we start this encounter. Hmm. Do we think that counts as his first attack? I'm going to say yes, only seeing how much damage this guy can deal. And I say we turn around and our quick reflexes that we've honed in our many weeks and now months traveling after the death of our brother have honed our survival instinct. And we're going to turn. And while not the best idea, I'm going to roll and slice. Scratch that. That only works against robots, apparently. It says slice the underside of a robot. So I'm going to dodge his next knife attack and strike. So plus two attack. Tech skill one, I automatically succeed because I have it fully trained. So I'm going to pull my hatchet, dodge, and strike. This will be one for my base attack, plus six for the hatchet, plus two for the tech skill. I don't get my plus one for Alora cards because he's not a robot. So that is only eight points of damage minus his four defense. I only deal four damage to this black hat, and he has 20 hit points. So currently, he's winning the race. He surprises me with how quick his reactions are, and I pull out my hatchet and swing, but I only get him a little bit. And he continues with, you're going to have to be better than that, sheep. And he's going to toss his knife to his other hand, where I wasn't sure he'd be able to wield it as well and stab. Let's see how much damage he deals. That's another four for another 10 points of damage. Minus my six, I lose another four hit points. I am down to nine because I have not been able to fully heal yet. 
and he is at 16, so I'm going to need to really turn it up right now. I'm going to try to buy myself time. I'm going to throw my hatchet intentionally missing wide to see if it even gets a little bit of a reaction from him, and I move in pulling my solar-powered taser for a jolt. Maybe I can stun him. It's definitely going to hurt a little bit, and I manage to hit, which is going to be 1 plus the 9 attack from the solar-powered taser for 10 damage. Minus his 4 defense is 6, brings him down to 10 hit points, and I get a chance to stun him. So if I roll a 4 on his die right now, he doesn't act on this turn. And I actually do, which I think is crazy, because I think that's three fours in a row I've rolled for his damage. So all in the span of half a second, I throw my hatchet, and his eyes dart just for the slightest second, and he goes, you got bad aimed, and then I'm on him with a jolting taser, and he kind of, you hear his teeth kind of chatter, and as he stumbles back and thinks he's recovered for just a moment, he goes to move his knife, but his muscles are just lagging slightly behind. He loses his turn. And with that, I pull out my laser sword, and my character says something along the lines of, I'm kind of on a god hunt right now, so saying you're cut from the same cloth, you picked the wrong team, bud. And I'm going to slash with my laser sword, once again using the two EP to dodge and strike for that little bit extra attack. As his reactions come back to him, and he's ready to parry with his knife, I'm ready to dodge and thrust with another severe slash of my laser sword. For one plus eight for the laser sword plus two for the tech skill brings it to 11. Minus his four defense is seven. He is down to three hit points now. We're hitting that territory where my next attack will deal lethal damage and I'll have to roll a d6 to see whether or not I actually manage to take him down. With the tide turning a little bit, he grits his teeth and he says, you ain't never on the wrong side. If your power's divine. And he grips his knife and charges. That is another four. I'm going to put this dice away. Ten more damage, minus my six defense is four. I'm down to five hit points, but I get one more attack. And as I level my laser sword at him, I say, Well, do me a favor. When you get up there and meet the other gods, tell them I'm coming for them. And just a simple slash, no tech skill required, is going to be enough to deal that damage. Let's see if I roll even, which will actually hit and kill the black hat, or odd, and he manages to escape. I rolled a six. It is even, and I plunge the laser sword into the black hat, who, with his final words, says, You can tell him yourself. And he slumps off of the blade, falling into the swamp. Dang, that was cool. I earned a badge, which is a little cowboy hat. So if in any other future events or encounters, I see that icon, I get an alternate option to play it out. He was worth 3d6 as far as a reward, and he does have a special reward, which may replace my Cyclops mask. We will see. Let's roll those 3d6 and find out what we get. Not bad. It's a 13, which, looking at the rewards, does not get me the special reward. I cannot break it up in a way to get 11 or 12. So that mask is either broken or I don't find it. I can get 
general stash, which says here, oh, I'd have to use either my six, four, or three. I don't get to roll again on it. But one of those is a first aid kit. Let's see what that does. Plus 10 HP and plus 10 EP, two uses during combat. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we find a couple. We'll say that this is like a little bandolier, and they're almost like little adrenaline epinephrine syringes, right? So that, that'll definitely come in handy. That's a way to open up session number two. Let's go. But we definitely got to heal, so we find a nice little mound within the swamp to spend the night where we can use our improved camping gear to get our energy points back up to full. We will eat three meal bars and get our health back up to 16, feeling pretty good heading into day 16 and into the terrain hex that has whatever is waiting for us in treasure map number seven. New day, new terrain tile. Here we go, rolling 5d6. We got a 5 on the terrain die and a 2 on the weather die. Means we are in a very windy desert. Our event die came up a 9, which says encounters. And our clarifying die is a 1. So number 1 in the encounters, the airport to nowhere. Wow, this could not be more appropriate given what we just went through. Here goes. You're passing through the massive concrete structure that used to be a major airport. The walls are covered in old advertisements faded from the sun. Flying with us is safe. Why unionize when you could save and buy a console? Our planes use state-of-the-art AI. Ask an associate for more information. As you admire the posters, an android in a very ragged pilot outfit shuffles down the dark hallway. You notice each other very quickly, and it immediately starts running at you. Its distorted speaker box blasts, Please run! I have an intense urge to rip you apart, and if I do, that'll ruin my day! You turn and run away, but you trip over a pile of suitcases. The pilot cries while he tries to tear your arm off. Now, it says there's a combat, but there's a black hat symbol that says I can do otherwise. And I think, I think I have to fight this android first, but let's see. Yes, I have to fight this android, but after that, I have an alternative option. So, it jumps on me and tries to n pull my arm off. Let's see how much damage it does with his attack. A four! That's the number for attacks against me today. So that is five damage, which is completely negated by my armor. He tries to pull it off, but he just gets a hold of my sleeper's leather jacket. And it is my turn to attack. And now I can roll and slice. Getting out from underneath this android as it tackles me, I roll, I pull out my laser sword, and I slice down. This is going to deal a good amount of damage because I get my plus one from the Allura deck, and I'm not even sure I need it because one plus eight plus four is 13, which is enough even after its defense. I just roll out from underneath it, pull out my laser sword, and slash this poor android's head off. It really did ruin its day. Kind of ruined my day, too. Hated to hear it know what was going to happen. I get to roll 2d6 for a reward. And I rolled terribly. I find three fruit on it. Maybe it had just raided the old airport buffet or something. And now I can use my alternative path with the cowboy hat. It says just after the fight, another android jumps out of nowhere and attacks you. Except I can avoid this because of my black hat which says, 
You sneak around the rest of the airport quietly and don't disturb anything else. You manage to find a suitcase with 10 bitliths in it. So maybe I hear the other android coming, but I manage to sneak away and avoid that encounter. So that's nice. And because this is where our treasure map says treasure number seven is, in this airport, not only was there a mention of it within the description, it's so perfect. I find a bit M8, which according to the item catalog is an old handheld game console that a collector would want, and it is worth a decent amount of bitliths if I sell it. Although I've yet to find a village so far in Miru 2, so that's... we're gonna have to figure out why that's the case. Perhaps we find out on day 18. And you know, I'm not running from a flying god at this point, and I'm not really sure where I'm supposed to be going, so I'm gonna continue our little snaking pattern that we were doing last time and just head straight north. We're going to keep going along the banks of this lake. Maybe we find an outlet river or something like that, and we can travel along that. Always a good navigational tip. 5d6, here we go, day 18. It's swamp. You know, this is starting to feel too much like real work. Nah, who am I kidding? We're dealing with heavy rain, but we have a raincoat that negates that. And rolled a 6 for our event dice, which is ruins. And our clarifying die is a four, but we've already done Tunnel to Hell, so we're going to go to R3 instead because we rolled even. And this one is called Time is Ticking. This area flooded recently, and it created a raging river. You try hard to cross it by jumping on a dam of houses that were washed away, now forming a small bridge. As you catch your balance on one of the roofs, you notice alligators swimming nearby. There is an alternative path if I had a certain badge, but I do not have that, so thankfully they don't bother you and you're able to cross the river without a scratch. Oh, nice. Just for fun, I looked up the alternative thing, and apparently these aren't always good, so even when you get them, you need to weigh the decision whether or not to use them. So we got lucky with our first black hat one, but we get to move on to day 19. Oh, and also, just how appropriate, I was like, maybe we'll find an outlet river. Oh, this flooded one? In the very next tile? Perfect. Let's roll our 5d6. We're staying in the swamp with some dense fog today. And our event dice is a 10 for an encounter. Clarifying die of 2. So we got the mask shop. You're wading through muddy spots before happening upon a small mask shop. The front porch is covered in fairy lights. As you approach it, the front door opens all on its own. It's a little creepy, but you walk in anyways, and inside is an old woman napping in a rocking chair. She abruptly wakes up when you walk in and falls out of the chair. You help her up, and she apologizes for her clumsy appearance. She tells you that the last person to come through this shop was gotta be over six years ago. You tell her about the god hunting you down, and the god that you're hunting, and she offers you a little gift for the journey. Do you take her offer? Hell yeah, we do. This could be bad, but why wouldn't we? Nice old lady in a weird swamp shop. Come on. And wrong choice, obviously. You accept the gift from the lady. She walks into the back, and after a minute of rummaging around, she comes back wearing a mask with four eyes. She silently stares at you for an entire minute. Then out of nowhere, she makes an alarming, screeching, metallic noise and a crazed android with eight legs comes crawling out from the back on the ceiling. 
it jumps at you. Come on, lady, I trusted you. All right, let's fight this spider abomination. It launches from the ceiling and it's going to attack me. Here it comes. I'm using the same die. If this comes up a four, I'm marking this die as weighted. It's a one. Thank you, probability. So that's only four damage, which against robots, we totally offset. We managed to get our shield up in time and not let this thing pierce us with one of its eight robotic legs as it lands on us. We have a chance and we are going to, you guessed it, the old roll and slice. We get pinned down a lot by these robots. We've gotten very good at Greco-Roman wrestling, getting out of this and pulling out a weapon in time to just slash behind us. It buys us a lot of time. We perfected this in the villages of Miru 1. Come on, this is our jam. You fools, you've played right into my trap card. So 14 damage with our laser sword against this abomination. It has three defense that brings it down 11 hit points down to five. And we immediately slash off a couple of the legs on one side of this thing. So now it is lopsided and not moving anywhere near as well as it could, but it's still got enough go to jump at me again. Here goes. There's a six. That's 10 damage. So I am going to take three damage from this as it lands on me and the sparking legs that I just cut off. Those sparks are leaking fluid onto me and it's just kind of sparking. I get a little bit of a burn or something like that. Three points of damage and it is my turn. I'm just going to pull my laser sword and stab, easily overcoming its defense and finishing off those last few hit points, dropping this thing right in front of the old mask lady who I look at very disappointingly before realizing she is nowhere to be found and all that's left is the four-eyed mask that she was wearing on the counter. And how appropriate is this? We didn't get the Alora mask from the black hat guy, but we obtain it right here. And we leave the store before anything else wild happens. That's crazy. This is a very interesting session. I feel like every time we miss something, we get something, we get what we need. It all has been making sense. It's working very well, which worries me for how it's going to end. And consulting the item catalog, an Alora mask gives us plus two defense from robots, which is one better than our Cyclops mask from Miru 1. So we are going to replace it, but of course we're going to hold on to the Cyclops mask. It's just cool. It's like our own post-apocalyptic cyber terror future Majora's mask here. And that brings us to day 20. I'm going to move north and... I don't have to roll anything for today because there is a cutscene. It says move to a new tile. It is a forest and there is no adverse weather. You hear a low hum as you walk past a clearing. You investigate to find a giant wireless power supply. You pull out your taser ready to blast it offline when someone yells for you to stop. You turn around and see a young man with a scar across his face. He's dressed in a suit and tie. He begs you. Please, don't destroy the power. It sustains over a hundred souls. You tell him there's a god trying to kill you, and he asks you to follow him. He brings you just across the hill to a busy little village. There's our village. People are walking around living normal lives. He tells you that the people below are androids. He's one as well. When Alora left us to survive on our own, we handled it well. But as time went on, trouble started bubbling up. Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be an escape from the rust. He tells you one day, they're all gonna go mad. 
We're against taking our own lives and the lives of others, so when someone gets bad enough, we just let them go out into the world, claim some silence and peace before the universe takes it away. There's a high-pitched noise they blast all around the village that deters infected androids from the area. If you destroy the power, the tower broadcasting the signal stops, and bad things are going to happen. You tell him about the people you're trying to find. He brings you into the village, into his home, and he digs through his stuff to find a gold disc. He hands it to you and tells you that you'll need to decrypt it, but all the knowledge is on the disc. You obtain one disc of knowledge. Over the past century, many of the androids have spent this time perfecting practices to live the most harmonious way on Earth. If you have plans to ever live a life without the help of a god, your people will want the knowledge on this disc. You ensure him you'll deliver it to them. He seems relieved and sits down to catch his breath. He tells you they've diagnosed him with rust recently. You pull out the inhaler your friend gave you. He nods his head and says, Yeah, that only works on human lungs. What's happening to me is called a hardware bug that can't really be fixed. He tells you that you can have your inhaler refilled with the guy running the shop. You thank him for his time and spend the rest of the day exploring the village. Oh. Poor guy. But we're definitely getting that inhaler refilled. Let's read up on what this village has got. So unlike Miru 1, it looks like this is the only village in Miru 2. There is a shop where I can trade. There's a bit dojo where I can train some abilities, including the only one I didn't get left over from Miru 1, so that's awesome. There's a fruit trade, a hotel, and of course, quests, which earn some badges. Ooh, so we're gonna have to do those. Let's take it one at a time. First, we're gonna go to the shop. And we have Bitliths to spend. I currently have 41 Bitliths from all sources from back in Miru 1 and everything we've gotten so far in Miru 2. I'm going to sell that Bit M8 gaming console, which will get me another 20. So I'm up to 61 Bitliths. I will spend 5 to refill my inhaler, get 2 uses out of that in case I contract more poison. And unfortunately I cannot buy the laser gun because I do not have the mechanical parts I need. So we're going to move over to the dojo and we're going to pick up tech skill 3, jump and attack, which I was not able to get in Miru 1. This is an attack that for 4 EP I get plus 6 to the attack as I jump, leap, and attack with a weapon in hand. So that's awesome. And here at the dojo I can also train for 1 bitlith per attempt, and I get up to six per day. I think, unlike in Miru 1, there's no chance of me taking damage from this, because it's not like fighting anybody. He's just training me to do this. So, excuse me while I spend six rolls to see if I can train up, jump, and attack. And again, how tech skills work is they start at tech skill one, and I have to roll a 1 in order to succeed at it, and then after that I have to roll a 1 or a 2, etc. Now I think I can roll 3d6 when I do this because of how my tech skills work. I've mastered enough of them, 
So I'm going to roll 3d6 and hope that I get a 1. Of course not. 4, 5, 6. So that's one of my six rolls for the day. I get it on the second one. Fail third. Succeed fourth. Fail fifth. Succeed sixth. So I've trained it up to three, which isn't bad. After leaving the dojo a little sweaty from my attempts at learning this new tech skill, there's a fruit trade, which basically I can spend a bunch of EP for every two EP I spend, I can get one fruit up to 10 a day. I'm actually pretty well stocked on food, so I'm not going to bother. And then there is a hotel that says, as you enter, an android in a suit greets you. She tells you they just cleaned a room for you. She hands you a fruit and you get a complimentary fruit every visit and she walks you to your room. Uh, It costs three bitlets, much like a tavern from Miru 1, where I would heal 10 hit points and six energy points. And this is cool. There's a little badge there. So if I get this little doorknob one, or maybe it's a book, there's alternatives. That's cool. And lastly, we will check out the quests, and it says, Stop and chat with the locals. One of them will offer you a quest each time you visit the village. Oh, I made this village, like, very inconvenient to get back to. But that's okay. Quest 5. As you're walking around town, an android with a ring on his forehead hands you a small brochure. You unfold it and find literature on the cult of Alora and a blank disc. He tells you, if you wish to seek out the truth, you will find the sweet sounds of bliss with an android named DJ. You obtain one blank disc and earn a badge that looks like the cool Miru soundtrack CD. That's cool. And I guess that's our day 20. Let's go on to day 21 and finish another week. 5d6. Day 21 is an extremely windy day in the grasslands. We are going to be exploring some ruins. And because I rolled even and we've already done number two, we're going to do number one, the radio man. Oh my gosh, this is working out perfectly because I'll read it. But at the end, we have an alternative thing based on the disc badge that we just got in the village. Crazy. On a small hill surrounded by a grassy meadow is a house with a radio tower attached to it. You go to investigate to find an older-looking android with a gold square and a white circle painted on his forehead. He greets you with a warm smile. You notice his left hand is missing skin as he waters the plants in his front yard. He invites you inside his home, which is full of old machines that run the tower. He tells you it puts out a signal that keeps poorly behaved robots from getting close. The high pitch bothers them. Functioning androids can mute that band of frequencies in their minds. He tells you his name is DJ, and if you bring him a clear disc, he'll put some great tunes on for you. Oh, you mean this clear disc that I literally just received? Here you go, DJ. Let's see what page 45 says. You show DJ the clear disc. His eyes grow big with excitement. You seek knowledge? He asks you. You shrug and ask, what's on the disc? He says, nothing yet, and plops the disc into a machine. A series of cryptic symbols flash across the display. A minute later, the disc pops out and he hands it back to you. He says, hey, play it and listen whenever you feel alone. You look at him confused and ask, do do you have a machine to play it on? And he says, no. And you say, so is this useless then? He shrugs. 
As you leave and look at the disc, you notice a new symbol encoded on the front of it. What does it mean? Ooh, interesting. And the book here has a QR code, so I'm going to scan that, but otherwise, we're going to move on to day 22. That link, by the way, goes to Miru's SoundCloud, and you can find the album that comes with Miru. And it's a pretty creepy track in a great way. Let's roll for day 22. 5d6. Oh no. Our second minor injury. So it says that the area around DJ's house and the radio tower is hilly. I think that thinking of all the ways, how could I find a way to listen to this? Like what knowledge is on it? It's eating at me and I am not really paying attention as I'm walking around and I slip and on my back fall down this hill, rolling, tumbling over myself coming down, kind of land on my wrist in a funny way, and just decide that's enough for the day. You lose two hit points, remain on the same tile, and nurse your wounds, but I can easily offset that with all of my camping gear and foods and rations and stuff like that, so just slow going after that strange encounter with DJ after leaving the village. One more, and we suffer those slightly more serious consequences. So I guess... Let's roll again for day 23. We are still in the grasslands, and we have no adverse weather today. So the winds have died down. Technically, because of the extreme winds from before, I wasn't supposed to get sleep, but I still managed to fend off the negative consequences of that. So our event die is a four, which is ruins, and our clarifying die is a six which normally would be Tamporo, who we've met before. But because it's even, we're going to go up one to number five instead, which says there's a late fee. You walk through the broken glass doors of a concrete library building to find a complete mess. Shout out Amber and Sarah. Most of the bookshelves have fallen over and books are everywhere. Some of them have even begun decomposing and crumble when you pick them up. A book with an off-white cover catches your eye and you take it off the table. This book feels different. The paper's unrippable. It's written in a cryptic language you don't understand, but you take it anyways. You acquire one book of Atopia, and you spend the night in the library. You earn the badge, and it's a book. I thought it was like a door with a handle the first time I saw this. Book makes a lot more sense. And shout out to librarians out there. Everybody go visit your public library, the resources. Really you underestimate them, and you probably don't use it to its full potential. Plus, you might find a game group there. That's how we all met. So, we spend the night at the library, reading the book or books that we find, and with three of the... Ooh, let's see. Three of the nine badges acquired, we move into day 24. Continuing to head south so we keep up our snaking pattern throughout this, hex map. We are still in grasslands, and there is no adverse weather today either. Two sixes for our event die for a 12. So it is an encounter, and we got three for our clarifying die. The buck stops here. Now before I even read it, it says, if you have the cowboy hat badge, go to page 43. So normally we would have fought the black hat, but we have already dispatched said black hat. So instead, we read this. 
Roll 3d6 for rewards. Nothing unusual happens today. Nice. Let's see what we get. Hopefully I get those two sixes again. Ready? Of course not. One, two, three. <laughs> Atrocious rewards roll. A total of six, I find three meal bars. That's probably the best I can do. Or I guess I could split it up and get six fruits. So you know what? We'll say that. I happen to find a very abundant like patch of blueberries and raspberries and things like that. Just a bunch of shrubs growing in this grassland. A thicket of raspberries and blackberries, and I just harvest a bunch of fruits. That'll get me through a few more days. Alright, that was easy. On to day 25. Our last hex going south before we'll turn back around. And I was just thinking, when we get back up all the way north on this snake around, I might be able to hop a few hexes back over to the village, if it's reasonable. And again, we get grasslands. This is like a whole band of grasslands here. And unfortunately, the weather does turn a little bit. And there is extreme wind. And not only that, I rolled two ones, the complete opposite of what I rolled last time for the events, and got two, which says nothing. This dreamy landscape holds no danger for you. Pass in peace. I think it's more that the wind is just crazy. And travel today is kind of a struggle and nothing else is really into the idea of being out here and dealing with all this crazy wind. So it's not the best day. It's not the worst day. It's kind of an uneventful day. But because of the extreme winds, I don't sleep tonight. So once again, I take that first level of sleep deprivation, but I'm able to offset that with all of my food and camping gear and stuff like that. As long as I get sleep tomorrow, that resets and I'll be fine. All right, day 26, we're cruising on the last few days. Easy grasslands. Swinging back up to the northeast, we roll our 5d6. And finally, we're out of grasslands and into the desert. And once again, that wind has not slowed down. We are actually probably heading into a worse area of wind from these grasslands. Maybe they have some sheltering hills and stuff. And I find myself coming around a hill and just looking at a flat expanse, urban region. And it's just creating these wind tunnels throughout these old left-to-rot buildings. So my sleep deprivation will go to two tonight. So it is going to start getting more difficult to offset. I rolled an eight for our event die, which means encounters, and a three for the encounter, which says self-actualize. Oh, wait, we've actually already done this one. So because it's odd, we're going to go up one. So it'll be play the game. And just like the other one, I don't have to read this because we've already taken care of the black hat. So I'm going to jump right to page 43. And I think there's a typo here. Because there's a black hat for E3, E4, and E6, but there's no mention of Desert E4 anywhere in the black hat section. So I think I'm going to read the beginning of this, play the game, and then read what I think is the funnier one. If we end up doing it again, that's fine. You stop in a building with saloon painted on the front. The moment you walk in, a piano starts to play. Now normally this is where the man in the black hat would be sitting at the bar. But instead, I'm going to do... You slowly look to see what made the noise, but it was just a raccoon that had fallen through the ceiling. What a goofy little guy. Uneventful. Sure. Kind of funny. I hope we meet this raccoon again. But all these uneventful days 
really have me nervous because you know how this game goes. I'm going to roll something tomorrow and it's going to be catastrophic. So why don't we see what happens on day 27? We find shield from the wind in the forest. But as soon as we do, the rains come. Heavy rain, but we have our raincoat, which will offset that. We rolled a 10 on our event die, which is an encounter. And the encounter is number four. Time to visit the zoo. Nice. I love the zoo. Oh, I'm not going to love this. As you're walking through the woods, you hear the sound of a monkey howling. Curious, you head in that direction and discover an old zoo. Surprisingly, nature hasn't completely taken over the structures inside. You find an albino peacock running around. You notice that there's a wider variety of bird species flying around in here. A penguin even waddles up to you. You try and pet it, but it runs away. You stand up in disappointment only to hear a very large creature breathing behind you. You turn around and make eye contact with a gorilla. It begins screaming and slamming its fists on the ground, charging at you. Alright, real talk. No human could take a gorilla. But maybe my character can. I got a sword. I got a laser sword. So maybe that levels the playing field a little bit. Sheesh. See, you have a couple uneventful days. Next thing you know, a gorilla is trying to tear you limb from limb. Here goes. What did he roll for damage? A two. I got lucky. So only two damage, which even though my defense is much lower against non-robots, this is something that I managed to swat away with my shield in time. And I think it slams the ground again. And physics be damned, it slams the ground and I use that kind of shockwave to jump. And I'm going to try and use my new tech skill, jump and attack. So I'm spending four EP for this. It's pretty expensive, but I get to add plus six to my attack if I manage to succeed. So I'm going to roll 3d6 for my tech skills. I just need to roll a three or lower and I succeed and it'll go up to tech skill four. I got it. I actually almost didn't. I got a three, a four, and a six. So I do manage to succeed coming down on this gorilla with my laser sword, which between the plus eight attack from the sword, the plus six attack from the jumping attack, and my one, that brings it up to 15 damage minus its two defense is 13 damage. It has 16 hit points. So despite me feeling like I just came down and burned through a serious chunk of this gorilla, gorillas are literally just muscle. These things are incredibly powerful animals and i underestimate my opponent overestimate my own ability or the ability of a laser sword and it gets one more attack let's see if it can deal some damage of course it does that's a six for ten damage i get six defense against non-robots so i take four bits of damage as it kind of like tosses me across the room i land on the ground i skid i hit the wall and as it's standing there beating its chest ready to pounce on me again I pull out my bow, and I don't get to use this often, so I'm just going to do it for fun. I'm just going to shoot it with my bow and arrow, which, because I have my strong bow, that's plus six to attack. Don't need to use any special tech skills. I just bury an arrow in it as it launches itself towards me, and it lands and skids. It's heavy weight landing on me. I need to really try hard to push off this heavy gorilla, but I have. Oh, you know, I don't really love the idea of killing a gorilla. As a biologist, I, I'd love to hang out with a gorilla. But I do earn the gorilla badge. So, I mean, that's cool. And tech skill four now for jump and attack. 
I get to roll 3d6 for rewards. And if I get the special reward, I get climbing gloves, which I think were in Miru 1, but I never got a chance to get them. So let's see if I can get them now. Oh, maybe. That's 14. 644. Special reward. I think that's it. No, special reward is 12. And I can't, I can't make it happen with 644. So 14. Hmm. How can I split this up? I don't think at this point I'm running out of food anytime soon. So I'm just going to, I'll take three fruits. We'll say that there's definitely fruits growing in this zoo that the animals are taking advantage of. You know, there's probably fruit trees and things like that. Plus, you know, birds eat seeds, birds poop seeds, seeds fertilize more fruit trees. A lot of animals do that. So I'll, I'll get some fruits and I'll get bitliths. I find a cash register at the zoo that still has some bitliths in it. So sleep deprivation resets tonight because we were no longer in extreme winds. It was raining, but we were inside an enclosure at the zoo and managed to get a decent amount of sleep to some natural sounds that, at least for me, would certainly seem very nice. And we're heading into day 28, which means this is the last day of this session of Miru 2. Here goes. What are we going to find? We're back in the swamp. That's where we belong. It is still raining heavily in the swamp. And we rolled a 10 for our event die, which is an encounter. And we rolled 1 on the clarifying die. Batters up. You walk through a swampy parking lot. The cars are rusty. The weeds are tall. The open sign is lit on a brick building housing a batting cage. That makes sense next to a zoo, right? Like, make a day of it. You walk through it and find a broken arcade machine, ski ball, pool table, all the balls are missing. Behind the counter is a basket of balls and one bat left. You obtain a wooden bat and give it a swing. Unbreakables written on the side. So you take the basket and balls out back. It's saying here I have to roll 1d6 and if I get even or odd, something happens. Oh boy. I got even. I rolled a 2. Worst even, but it's an even. You swing and hit a ball that smacks a transformer and a flock of birds fly out from the trees. Nice. Ooh, I have my own, like, the natural moment. Robert Redford. Let's see what no would have been. Oh, no's got an encounter. After a few home runs, you hear a crash coming, and I would have had to fight an android. So I'm glad we just had a sick Robert Redford, the natural moment. If you haven't seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It's a good baseball movie. And you know what? Since that's day 28, and that's the last one, it's a walk-off, baby. Walk-off home run for main character that I've never named in this entire series. But we made it through another session of Miru 2. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you enjoyed it. I know the last few days there were actually just kind of nice, cozy, you know, travel sim. But there was a gorilla fight in the middle. And you know there's a lot more waiting for us to come. All right, Rainy, time to do the Sarah. Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet. I hope that you tune in tonight if you're listening the day that this podcast drops and hop on Twitch, hang out in Twitch chat for our RuneQuest Six Seasons in Sartar stream that we are doing. We're up to 12 episodes when this drops and we are loving the engagement that we're getting from the RuneQuest community, all the people who have come to check us out. We're getting lots and lots of positive feedback and I really feel like, you know, people have glommed onto this one in a way that we're really, really happy that you guys come, hang out, enjoy what we're making, and hopefully we're helping you guys find games that you're considering bringing to your table. If you could, please rate us on whatever podcast app thing you listen on. I think 
It goes a long way to finding us more listeners. I'm not really sure, but if you know, you were nice enough to do that. I've heard other people, if you want to go and rate us five stars and then reach out to us in any kind of form or fashion and say, hey, I rated you five stars on this thing. I would love to shout you out or maybe we can send you a little something. I don't really know. I'm making promises we probably can't keep, but we would appreciate it so much more than you probably realize. Follow us on all the social medias. We have different members of the DMs running basically each different social media, so we're going to interact with you one way or another. If you want to email us, you can do so at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We love getting emails from people we've been getting slightly more lately, and it's kind of crazy. We love talking about anything nerdy or anything game related with people who listen and want to reach out to us. In case you missed it, we have a t-shirt available. It's up on a Redbubble store. I will leave the link in the description for this podcast episode if you want to check out our kind of just flagship logo design on a t-shirt. Wear it, look good, look cool, and support your favorite nerdy streamers, or at least streamers that you enjoy listening to. See how bad I am at chilling and promoting myself? It's bad. So if I have anything to apologize for this episode, it's this terrible self-promotion at the end. And until next time, oh, there's so many to choose from. Go visit a old swamp mask lady. Go to the zoo. Oh no, you know what? Go to your local library. Bye everybody. <laughs>